Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where there is no offseason, and we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on the 18th day of January 2018 from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Now, I, I, this is a baseball podcast, so I'm not going to talk much about football. And some of you know that I, I don't really follow football that much. Uh, I will say that this is a weekend that I do get excited because the winners uh, go on to the Super Bowl. And everyone thinks I'm a diehard Patriot fan because I'm a huge Red Sox fan. And I'm also a big Boston Celtics fan. I don't really care about the Patriots. I get all the positive things about being a Patriot fan, which is seeing them win. And when they do win, people assume that I'm happy. But I get none of the negative. If they happen to lose, I think, well, okay, I don't really care. I don't think I can name many players on the team. And I think I can name three. Tom Brady, um, Gronk, whatever his name is, and Malcolm Butler. So I can name two and a half players. Uh, and, and part of me would like to see them win the Super Bowl because, hey, uh, everyone thinks that I'll be happy with that. I'll be fine with that. And also it makes Roger Goodell mad. Uh, but I actually, it's fun that I don't have any ill will against any of the teams remaining. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles, if they win the Super Bowl, the Eagles have never won the Super Bowl. Everyone's been crapping all over their quarterback, whose name escapes me at this point. Like, how could they win with this quarterback? Well, that'd be fun if they do. Uh, Jacksonville, I love that a city that is, uh, you know, not a huge metropolis may have the Super Bowl champion in their city. Ah, that'd be kind of neat. There is a scenario of the Minnesota Vikings winning the Super Bowl, which I personally, other than the fact that everyone thinks I'm going to root for the Patriots, I suppose they'll be my default team that I root for. There is something potentially wonderful about the Vikings winning the Super Bowl, and it's something that baseball fans take for granted. In fact, all sports fans, if you're a, I mean, of the major sports, if you're, if you're a hockey fan or if you're a basketball fan or you're a baseball fan, the chances of what could potentially happen in football is something that we sort of take for granted in a way. And that is a team could win the championship in their home stadium. Now, that's never happened in the history of the Super Bowl. What are we at? Super Bowl 52? 53, whatever the hell it is, it's 50-something. And the only times that a team has played within the metropolitan region of their home stadium, the L.A. Rams played in the Super Bowl in, I, mean, I don't remember which Super Bowl it is, but it was, it was the one in 1980 when they lost to the Steelers. They played that in the Rose Bowl, now, right, you know, which I'm currently looking at. The Rams did not play their home games, in the Rose Bowl. They either played in the Coliseum or Anaheim. I don't remember which one at that time. I think it was still in the Coliseum. But it was still in the L.A. area. We're in Los Angeles County. So you had an L.A. team playing in Los Angeles County. And the only other time, which was, it's funny, the only times you've had a home team in the Super Bowl, basically, were in the two main spots I record this other baseball podcast. The other was in Palo Alto, where the... The Super Bowl between the Dolphins and the 49ers was played in, at Stanford Stadium in Palo Alto, and the 49ers were in that. Now, the Niners didn't play their home games at 
Stanford Stadium, but it's close enough. It's close enough. In fact, Stanford Stadium is closer to San Francisco than their current home in Santa Clara. But who's counting? But in all those years, like most, but those are the only two times. It's never been in their home stadium. And so you've, when you've had like the Super Bowl being hosted in Arizona or in San Diego or in Miami or in Dallas or in Houston or you know occasionally in a cold weather place with a dome like in Detroit or in uh, Minnesota or those stupidly or wonderfully no matter which way you took it outdoors in New York a few years ago you know it was played in Santa Clara a few years before that. It, it's never been just the, the luck of the draw. Like, it's the Super Bowls in Miami this year, Dolphins don't make it. Super Bowls in San Diego, uh, the Chargers don't make it. You know, whatever, whatever combination it is. So there is a possibility, a real possibility, that the Vikings could play the Super Bowl in their home stadium. And all they have to do is beat the Eagles, and a lot of people are favoring them. So we could have that situation. And if the Vikings wind up winning the Super Bowl in their home stadium, I think it's safe to say that would be the greatest moment in the history of, of Minnesota sports history. Now, on the spot of their new stadium, which who knows what it's called. It's called the Wells Fargo Bank of America Lone Mart Stadium, whatever. It's some financial name, okay? is built on the spot of the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome. Now there, on that very spot, on that hollowed ground, the Minnesota Twins won the 1987 World Series, Game 7 against St. Louis, and they won the classic, one of the great games of all time, one of the great games I've ever seen, Game 7 of the 1991 World Series against the Atlanta Braves. So if the Vikings win on this weekend, and on Super Bowl Sunday, then that is hallowed ground for all Minnesota-based championships. Because the Twins never won in Bloomington. The Vikings never won. It all was on that spot. All the championships would have been won there. And to have a Super Bowl won in front of the hometown crowd, part of me is rooting for that because we may never see that. And you don't believe me? We're, we're half a century into this shit. And we've never seen it once. So, I mean, I'm fine with all scenarios. I truly am. I guess if you're asking, you know, gun to my head, best case scenarios, like, calm down, no need to put a gun to my head. Best case scenarios to see the Patriots and the Vikings, and I'd be fine with the, with, but I'd be fine with any combination. But think of that a hometown team winning the Super Bowl at the home stadium, we may never see that ever. And we still may not see it if the Eagles win. So, I don't know, part of me would like to see that as a possibility because that would be the absolute epicenter of all Minnesota sports happiness. Now, I've talked about the Twins a little bit already. I think they're going for it. Now, we still see there are people out there that are the free agents, quality free agents, some of the top free agents are still available. And I said on a podcast a few weeks ago that I believe that the Marlins should just 
tra- you know, signed for all the these unsigned free agents. There's over a hundred of them, and eventually there's not going to be enough spots for everyone. The Marlins just signed them all to one-year deals, pretty cheap one-year deals, and say you're going to be Marlins for one year. And this is it. It'll be a bunch of recognizable names. I absolutely still believe they should do that. Absolutely. After they trade Christian Yelich and after they trade Rio Moto and get some more young players, it should just have a year where it's just a bunch of aging veterans playing together for the Marlins and see how they do. See how they do. Now, we're seeing that, you know, a point I've made on this podcast a bunch of times is that the... Your legacy is entirely written in October. How the perception of a team's success is painted entirely in October. And we see that as two teams are being broken up. We're seeing the Pirates are being broken up, but we're seeing Kansas City is being broken up. Kansas City won two pennants back-to-back and won the 2015 World Series. That run is looked upon as a great success. You know, it may be sad to see, you know, it looks like Hosmer may sign with the Royals, may sign with the Padres, but Moustakas is going to find a home, Kane is going to find a home. You know, the, the team is going to look a lot different than the team that won two straight pennants in a world championship. But you can say you delivered to the fans, thank you very much. The Pirates are being broken up. Garrett Cole was dealt to the Houston Astros, which makes the Astros prohibitive favorites to win the American League West at this point. Now, I I do think the Angels and I do think possibly the Mariners will give them a run for their money, but when Cole is essentially going to be their number three starter, you know, you you boil it down to it, you know, you're going to go Keiko, Verlander, Cole, and then some combination of McCullers or whoever it is after that. Holy Toledo. With a revamped bullpen, with their lineup, uh, the defending world champion Astros are going to make another great run for it, which means their run is also success. But the, you know, the Pirates got a couple of players back. They didn't get any blue chippers. They didn't get any top prospects in all of baseball. And then they traded Andrew McCutcheon to San Francisco. Now, the Giants are my second favorite team. They're my National League team. And I look at the moves the Giants have made, and so they've picked up Evan Longoria, they've picked up Andrew McCutcheon, and your first impulse will say, man, they're doing anything to win the 2013 World Series. But the snarky comments aside, the Giants are going for it. They're saying, we have veterans, we're going to go for it. We've already won three World Series and made another trip to the postseason this decade. This may be our last hurrah with this group, let's put some bats in here because they had no bats. If they get some comeback performances, they, they traded away Matt Moore. I wasn't 100% for that deal, but they're, they're going for it. And the Giants are playing with house money. They've already won three championships. They're already the team of the decade. But the Pirates, the Pittsburgh Pirates, unlike the Giants, unlike the Royals, unlike the Astros, have virtually nothing to show for what was a really fun run that they had. A really fun run they had between 2013, 14, 15. They had some super talented players, some really fun teams, an exciting brand of baseball, and revived a fan base that had been dormant 
since Francisco Cabrera's single. You don't have to hear about Francisco Cabrera's single anymore because the whole thing was they haven't had a winning season since the Cabrera single. They had three wonderful seasons. They got to, they were leading the Cardinals two games to one in the division series in 2013 and had the winning run at the plate in the form of MVP Andrew McCutcheon. And if he had hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth of game four of the National League Division Series, they would have gone on to the NLCS against the Dodger team that they probably would have beaten. And there's a lot of probabilities. There's a lot of coulda, shoulda, wouldas on this. The team in 2015, the talent on the team that wound up winning, I believe it was 98 games, they went to the wild card game against Arietta and the Cubs. And you go back and listen to the podcasts I was doing then. I said there's two fates for the 2015 Pirates. They either lose the wild card game to Jake Arietta or they win the National League pennant. And they wound up losing the wild card game to Jake Arietta. I to the I will take to the grave my belief that the Pirates were the most talented team in the National League in 2015. Now, the Cardinals won 100 games. The Pirates won 98. The Cubs won 97. If the Pirates could have avoided the wild card game, I believe they would have won the pennant. They had the talent. They had deeper talent than the Cubs, who wound up getting walloped by the Mets in the National League Championship Series. They had deeper talent than the St. Louis Cardinals, who got clobbered by the Cubs in the division series. If somewhere along the way, they had won three extra games, and they started the season with three straight losses to Cincinnati, including a couple of walk-off games. They had a bunch of walk-off losses to St. Louis. If a couple of those games, three extra wins along the way, one extra win every other month, And the Pirates would have had a better record than St. Louis and would have avoided that. And you think about what could have been done to maybe equal one win here or one win there. A bounce here or a bounce there. Is the difference between a totally forgotten regime like the Pirates and a team like the Royals who will be remembered forever. So... The Pirates are, the Pirates are waving the white flag. They're lowering the Jolly Roger and they're, they're raising the white flag. Which is probably the smart thing to do. It's cold. It's, it's ugly. But it may be the right thing to do. Especially when you look at McCutcheon. Now McCutcheon was pretty good last year. He was terrible the year before. And he's... You look at him, it's not based upon the, the, the sadness of losing McCutcheon is the symbol that this was an MVP who wanted to play in Pittsburgh and helped deliver a postseason appearance to the city of Pittsburgh. But he's no longer the MVP. He's no longer the great player, and you don't want to cling to someone based on emotion. If you're going to rebuild the squad, and you want to screw it, trade Josh Harrison while you're at it. No, no use keeping anyone. If you're going to tank, tank. If you're going to rebuild, rebuild. Because the National League's not the American League. 
The National League is not where 80-some-odd wins will get you a spot at the table. There are too many quality teams, and I believe you're going to see a bounce-back season from a couple of teams, especially the St. Louis Cardinals and possibly the San Francisco Giants. The Giants and the Cardinals are putting together runs to improve upon disappointing 2017 seasons. And you'll still have Arizona, even if they lose J.D. Martinez, and even if they trade away Zach Greinke, they're still a talented team, as is Colorado. So if you aren't one of those teams, you best just say, screw it, we'll build. And let's trade McCutcheon while he still has value. You don't want to be the Phillies sitting on veterans until they have no more trade value. Except, of course, the Phillies won a world championship, and they could rely on that emotion. This brings me to another team that contended late into the season, and that's the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers were in first place. People forget this. People, I sound like Trump, don't I? People forget this. Oh, I, I forgot it. They're in first place for most of 2017 over the Cubs. And they contended for a wildcard spot deep into the season. They were a contending team trying to get one of those spots and wound up going to Colorado, but the Brewers were making a big run for it late in the season. They were a good team. They were a good team who had a good year. Now, does that translate to them being good next year? Well, they have some things in their favor, and they have some things that are red flags. Now, first of all, they got some years from some players that, I don't know, are you going to get Eric Thames Eric having the, the season that he had last year where he was unbelievable, hitting home runs left and right? Are you going to get 31 home runs out of Travis Shaw and, you know, a decent OPS? You know you have Jimmy Nelson, who was one of the more consistent pitchers on the Milwaukee Brewers staff. You know that he is going to be He's recovering from a shoulder injury. So are you going to get the 175 and a third quality innings out of him? These are things I don't know, and unless you're a mind reader, you don't either. You know, Are you going to get uh, Corey Nabel, if that's how you pronounce his name, to have a season where he struck out 126 batters in 76 innings to a 1.78 earned run average out of the bullpen? They got some big surprise seasons from people. And sometimes that turns out to be who they are. And sometimes it turns out to be a fluke. But here's what I'll say to the Milwaukee Brewers. I think the Brewers have a shot to win the division. And here's why. The Cubs, since 2015, despite the fact that they finished behind the Pirates and the Cardinals in the standings, have basically been in control of the NL Central for the last three years. They wound up getting to the NLCS each of the last three years, winning the World Series, of course, in 2016. The Cubs are relying on a starting pitching staff that could go south in an awful hurry. And you don't know, they're probably going to lose Jake Arrieta. Maybe they should lose them to the Brewers. But either way, this is a veteran team or a veteran pitching staff, not a veteran lineup, but a veteran pitching staff that is vulnerable. 
that could start to return back to Earth. You see that teams have cyclical moments of dominance. Even the Giants, who won three championships in, the, in this decade of the 2010s, had dips. They had a losing record in 2013. They fell short of the postseason in 2011 and 2015. They had a terrible season last year and yet looked like they could be a contender. To think of the idea of the Cubs taking a step back is not outlandish. Hell, the Brewers were ahead of them for most of the calendar year last year. And when you look at the free agent market and you're seeing all these players who are, whether it's the, you know, Alex Cobb, who's been linked to the Brewers, you know, he's rumored to possibly be going to the, uh, uh, to the Yankees, but you, you don't know. You know, you Darvish and Jake Arrieta are two of the big fish who everyone was thinking were going to be signed to big, huge contracts. Um, would it stun anyone if we got closer to, the, to spring training and say that, hey, maybe Arietta isn't going to take a five-year deal? Maybe it won't take four or five years to get you Darvish to sign on the dotted line. These are all possibilities, and the possibilities that the Brewers have to take a good, long look at because the opportunity may be here for the Brewers to do something kind of, sort of special. You know, they have, you know, the Lewis Brinsons and the Brandon Woodruffs of the world who are, you know, good, solid young prospects who had cups of coffee in the, on the Milwaukee Brewers uh, roster last year. This is a team that right now looks like, especially if they can withstand the f- losing Jimmy Nelson for the first part of the season, right now looks like could be a mid-80s win team. And I don't think that's enough. They need to win 90 to be in the playoff conversation. But I think they could be the exact team to take advantage of a depressed free agent market and bring in some of these players and say, hey, let's, let's fill in our gaps, fill in our holes in, ex- in a way that is not as expensive as it would have been in years past and punch our ticket. And to be in a situation where let's take advantage of a potential win cycle. I'm giving the same lecture to Minnesota as I gave to Milwaukee, but at least Minnesota got to the wild card game last year. They they blew an early 3-0 lead, but they actually got in. For the fans of Milwaukee, this is an opportunity. And if you get to that point, you almost have to go for it. I look at what's happening in the dismantling of the Pirates, And I'm thinking, man, I wonder if there was a move they didn't make. A moment where they, a a trigger pull they didn't do. You know, when the Royals won the World Series and game two was a complete game victory by Johnny Cueto. That was a move, that that was a trigger that they pulled. And maybe psychologically to the team said, we're going to go over the top. 
The trigger that was pulled, bringing in Justin Verlander late around the, the, the trade deadline last August. We can rely on this one veteran that we didn't have before. Did the Pirates never pull the trigger on that? I can't remember them pulling the trigger on a big move that could have put them over the top. And they fell just short each year. And if I'm the Milwaukee Brewers, punch your way into the postseason by any way possible. And if you can, use the depressed market to your advantage. Arietta. Now, is Arietta still the Cy Young Award winner? No, but he's still a solid pitcher. You remove Arietta from the Cubs and you add him to the Brewers, if it's not an outlandish break-the-bank, destroy-the-payroll-type contract, which by today's market, it doesn't look like it's going to be, does that bring the Cubs closer and bring the Brewers closer? They have to look at it this way. This is not a player's market right now. This is a bargain hunter's market right now. Now, I think the Marlins should create their own little team of Island of Misfit toys, but that's not what the Brewers are. Brewers are a talented little team that came damn close to punching their ticket to the postseason last year. Get closer. Take advantage of it. Remove from the Cubs and try, if you get in, to not be a pirate, but to be an Astro and a Royal. I'm looking at you, Arietta. But even if it's not Arietta, even if it's someone like, hell, Lance Lynn, who I think is the, the Indians are bananas to not sign Lance Lynn, but that's another story. A pitcher who's a good, solid pitcher and is an innings eater. And would take away from the Cardinals. Punch your ticket in, Milwaukee. It is a chance to leave the legacy and to finally bring things around for that franchise. A lot of teams are checking off their to-do lists for their fan bases in this decade. It might be time for Milwaukee for theirs. I don't know. Take advantage. There are bargains out there. And those bargains could lead to the greatest moment in your franchise's history. Maybe not as great as the Minnesota Vikings winning the Super Bowl in their home field, but pretty damn good anyway. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, so I have an iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. You can be old school, send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. easy for you to say. This has been the Sully Baseball Podcast for the 18th day of January 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Oh, think about it, Milwaukee, and you can call me Sully.